this isn't just old people, it's everyone. Everyone can be affected by this. A frightening trip to the ER, an Oklahoma mom shares her family's experience with COVID-19. One of the state's biggest school districts changes its mask policy. And a look at the reforms being made at the Oklahoma City Police Department. For The Oklahoman, I'm Dave Morris. It's Tuesday, July 14th, 2020. And Oklahoma set a new record on Tuesday with more than 900 new cases of COVID-19. According to the latest report from the Oklahoma State Department of Health, there are 993 new cases of the virus and four new deaths in the Sooner State. A Tulsa mother is sharing her family's experience with COVID-19 in hopes of changing the conversation surrounding the pandemic. The Oklahoman's Carmen Foreman spoke with Sally Ramirez about the family's frightening trip to the ER earlier this month. This week, I talked to Sally Ramirez. She's a Tulsa mother, um, and we talked about how her son, Ben, who is 20 months old, was recently diagnosed with COVID-19. It was really a very frightening experience for her and her husband, David, because Ben, last week, had to be rushed to the hospital because he was burning up, he was throwing up blood, and when he got to the hospital, um, doctors informed his parents that they thought that he might have COVID-19. I was just really confused. I tried to suspend judgment, but I don't think, like, so many things were running through my mind. Um, That was probably one of them. I just know that I was just really confused by the symptoms. Sally had reached out to me because I'd, I'd written a story about more young people. Those who are 18 to 35 years old are testing positive for coronavirus nowadays. The same rings true for children in Oklahoma. State data shows that more children are testing positive for the virus. Of the new cases, 2% of those cases are children ages 4 and under, and about 7% of those cases are children between the ages of 5 and 17 years old. And luckily, Sally told me um, that her son is feeling better. Yeah, so he's still running a slight fever, and we are just like just giving him Tylenol basically Mm -hmm. to help with that he's never run a fever this long before Mm -hmm. so it's unusual but we're just giving him Tylenol every four to six hours and other than that though he's not lethargic he's running around playing he seems really happy a little more agitated than normal but he seems uh, like he's getting back to himself And so she thinks that they are past the worst part of the COVID-19, but um, her and her husband are still sort of on pins and needles as as they keep an eye on Ben. It's been difficult to feel sad for some reason. I feel like I, I should have been there. There are moments when I do, but other than that, like, I think, and I felt shame, like, just like I failed and I was supposed to protect us and... I don't know, embarrassment. Like I never hear, I don't hear any of my friends post on Facebook that they know anyone that has COVID and just raising awareness about it. So I was like, what's going on? I know this is impacting more people. Mm -hmm. I was confused. I was, I was, I was a lot of things. And then after I posted, I realized I'm angry. It doesn't have to be this way. So Sally, after going through this whole experience, she's now become a huge advocate for um, mandating masks um, in Tulsa, in Oklahoma City, and really, I mean, she would like to see a mask mandate statewide. More people need to know this. We need to change the narrative. Like, this isn't just old people and, you know, 
it's everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone can be affected by this. We were so careful. We quarantined. We felt like we did all of the things right. And I think that's where the shame came from and the confusion. Like, how did this happen? At, at what point did this happen? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just so confused. There's only so much we can do if other people aren't wearing masks as well. This is a community effort, and I'm tired of feeling like it was a moral failure on my my part. I think that this is something that we all need to do to keep each other safe. One of the state's largest school districts is changing its stance on student face coverings. Officials with Oklahoma City Public Schools initially planned to only require masks for staff and visitors, but now they've expanded the requirement to include students. I spoke with Deputy Superintendent Jason Brown about the change in policy. Uh, things have shifted a little bit, not only culturally and socially, but also just with, with the ongoing spike. Uh, one of the tenets of our plan is that it would always be flexible. We'd be able to pivot if necessary. And so we reevaluated uh, that mask requirement for students. We also surveyed our parents and our staff, and it came back overwhelmingly that they were in support of requiring a uh, mask for students, especially those in secondary grades. So our new requirement would also then be comprehensive and inclusive of students, grades five through 12. So we will be requiring and asking students to wear a mask grades five through 12. We will be expecting students grades pre-K through four to wear, to wear a mask. We purposely differentiate that term between expecting for pre-K and four and requiring uh, grades five through 12. We figure that a student who is uh, 10, 11 years old uh, in age or older uh, can understand the need uh, to wear a mask. We feel like we're a teaching institution. And so our, we wanna make sure that we teach how to appropriately wear a mask that's developmentally appropriate for ages four through, for, through 10, which would be pre-K through grades four. And so we feel like that's the best language to use and the best way to approach the wearing of masks by students in our schools. You can watch the complete interview and read Naria Martinez-Kill's article about the district's plan at Oklahoma.com. Naria has been following developments as various districts and state universities release their back-to-school plans, and you can find all that information on our website. The White House rescinded its rule that would require foreign students to transfer or leave the country if their schools move to an online model because of the pandemic. The decision to withdraw the order came after eight federal lawsuits were filed and hundreds of universities voiced their opposition. Under the rule, thousands of international students in the U.S. would have been forbidden from taking all their courses online this fall. In addition, new visas would not have been issued to students if their schools went to a digital model. Officials say immigration authorities agreed to pull the July 6th directive and return to the status quo. A driver accused of striking a group of more high school students is now facing three counts of second-degree murder. Cleveland County District Attorney Greg Mashburn amended the manslaughter charge against Max Leroy Townsend, whose Ford pickup struck, struck the group of runners on February 3rd. Mashburn told the Oklahoma's Tim Willard the truck driver's blood alcohol content factored into the decision to upgrade the manslaughter charge. Townsend is charged in connection with the deaths of Rachel Freeman, Colby Crum, and Eurydia Martinez, Four other students were also injured in the accident. According to investigators, Townsend was driving an estimated 78 miles per hour when he struck members of the track team. The posted speed was 25 miles an hour. If convicted, Townsend could be sentenced to life in prison. (laughs) 
The Oklahoma City City Council recently approved several reforms for the Oklahoma City Police Department. The reforms came out of recent conversations surrounding the protests that have taken place during the last few months. The Oklahoma's Kayla Branch has more on the changes. In June, the Oklahoma City City Council approved six reforms for the police department to be studied over the next year. That included a facility where trained mental health professionals and social workers could serve as the first line of responders when someone's in a mental health crisis, expanding the department's homeless outreach team, uh, providing all police officers with 24-hour-a-day access to mental health services, and requiring all police officers to receive basic crisis response training. These reforms came out of recent conversations spurred by protests against police brutality. But before the protests, which started in late May, a lot of these concepts were things that were being thought about by the police department. Specifically, Chief Wade Gourley had been in conversations with the State Department of Human Services to get social workers involved in police matters at the local level. And actually starting next week at the Spring Lake Division in Northeast Oklahoma City, there is going to be a team of social workers that will start working out of offices in the Spring Lake Division, and they will be assisting police officers on domestic calls that have to do with family matters and, and making sure that um, there's a productive um, social safety net uh, outcome for folks who find themselves involved um, with the police department, that they're connected to programs like um, SNAP for food assistance and, and different things like that. The police department also had hired a consultant in recent months to come in and revamp its wellness program for officers. So that should assist in making mental health counseling available to all police officers for 24 hours a day. And so I think from what I've heard, a lot of folks are really excited about what these reforms can do, but they were introduced by Councilman James Cooper, and he has been very um, consistent in saying that this is just the beginning. And these reforms, you know, it's great that they kind of align with what the police department was already thinking about doing in some ways, but um, they definitely go further than what the police department had planned to do. Uh, And he sees these reforms as a way to make sure that the city and the department are really thinking about community policing and then how to create those sustained relationships within the community. Oklahoma City City Manager Craig Freeman said, uh, on the timeline that his next goal is to finish making his selections on who is going to serve on the study group that's going to look at these reforms over the next year and figure out what exact changes we want to make and how are they actually going to pay for all of this. Freeman said that the city is expected to be in another tough budget year next year um, with the pandemic, and so they're going to have to be creative about where they get their funding from. Uh, But again, all in all, from what I've heard from folks um, talking in meetings and doing interviews, people are excited to see how these reforms can um, create positive change between the police department and the communities that it's meant to serve. All right, these stories and plenty more can be found on our website at Oklahoman.com, which will be updated with the latest news throughout the night and tomorrow morning. For producer Paige Dillard and all our colleagues at The Oklahoma, I'm Dave Morris saying have a good night and stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.